ChatGPT isn't just for cheating on your essays. Could it also shape what people in churches, synagogues, mosques and temples hear from the pulpit? Religious sermons are supposed to come from the head and the heart, from a preacher steeped in knowledge of the religious text. But could chatbots take over the job? Johanna Booyah from The Guardian America has been speaking to rabbis, imams and priests. Funnily enough, it was used by a rabbi in New York in order to essentially plagiarize a speech. And he used it to plagiarize a speech intentionally. He had a point that he was trying to make, but a rabbi did use it to write a sermon. So in the case of a sermon for this rabbi, or it could be a priest or it could be an imam, what sources would chat GPT use? What sources would they plunder? Well, it really depends on what iteration of ChatGPT you're using. There was a a chatbot, for instance, that was specifically catering to Muslims and Muslim texts. It was called Hadith GPT. And that was specifically based on authentic sources of Hadiths, which are the sayings and narrations of what the Prophet Muhammad's life was in that case in particular there were it was based on authentic sources in other cases you know for instance in the rabbi's case he was using just a generic chat gpt search so this is pulling from all of the internet's information and knowledge to write a very specific sermon if it's pulling though from the entire body of uh well, let us say material on the internet, do any of these people worry about the religious interpretations they're going to get if they ask ChatGPT to to do their sermon? Yeah. I mean, it was interesting in having the conversation with various faith leaders about this because that was sort of my assumption, especially myself as a Muslim looking at Hadith GPT and knowing that ChatGPT and generative AI, they're not, it's not a knowledge machine, right? They're not giving you an answer to a question. They're responding with what is the most likely response to a question like this. And so if you're applying that type of a framework to answering questions about religious texts, like, of course, there's going to be instances of inaccuracies. You know, the we've already seen ChatGPT has hallucinated, quote unquote, college texts and academic papers. I assumed that these faith leaders would sort of have that same worry and hesitance about using it. Interestingly enough, in the three cases that or the three faith leaders I spoke with, they said that this was just like Google, right? It's just another tool where you can search for answers um, or use it as a tool to help you make your writing a little bit more convenient. Obviously, with the caveat that you have to confirm things just like you would for Google, but they weren't worried about it. They really weren't worried that it was going to be over relied upon, that it would ever take the place of a faith leader or a scholar in a community because they thought that it would actually do the opposite. It would actually make people feel like they needed more of a human connection outside of this sort of conversation with a robot. Mm -hmm. Johanna, though, you as a journalist would also know this. I mean, if you're relying on any tool to just scoop up information that's gathered on the internet, you're going to find stuff that's Islamophobic, you're going to find stuff that's anti-Semitic. What do you as a journalist, what would your concern be if not just faith leaders, but any public figure was using ChatGPT? 
for one, misinformation. Forget all of the vitriol that exists on the internet and the racist remarks and, and, and all of that, but just the misinformation that is pretty rampant on the internet is being scooped up, or at least we can assume that it's being scooped up in these models that are training, these large language models. And the reason why I say we assume it's because these companies are not telling us what sources they're training their data on. We don't always have a clear idea where they're getting their information on, which is a problem because as a journalist, you do have to look at the source in order to authenticate the information that you're getting. And you do have to find ways to contextualize the information that you're getting. And I guess, of course, these programs like GPT can be hacked. You refer in this really interesting story in The Guardian to Hadith GPT. We've been talking about it there that draws on the sayings from the life of the Prophet Muhammad. Is it conceivable that someone could hack that Hadith GPT and you end up relying on it and spewing forth all of this bile. Yeah, I mean, I think everything and anything is is as hackable as someone's desire and will. I haven't done too much reporting and research into, you know, the vulnerability of these systems to cyber hacks, but we have seen ransomware attacks and cyber hacks go up in the last couple of years. So I imagine that is a concern. In the case of Hadith GPT in, in particular, as I mentioned in my story, the system itself, when you would seek answers from the search bot, it would come with a caveat that said, this may not be exactly accurate. You know, Islam is a religion that is passed on from heart to heart. So make sure you consult with other people. And Islam is a very textual religion. And so Muslims were very concerned about this chatbot trying to almost take the place of or emblemize what a scholar would typically do. And Joanna, the other interesting point that you bring out is that not just Islam, but all of the world's great religions aren't really just about the word, are they? Right. There's something that ChatGPT simply cannot replace in religion. What's that? I mean, just that human connection and the interpretation. You know, it's just not the text at all. And I, I think that's one thing that the faith leaders whom I spoke to can continue to bring up, which is that they actually thought that this chatbot and ChatGPT would bring people closer to their faith communities and their faith leaders because they were desperately, or the chatbot is so devoid of humanity that they would need some sort of scholarly input to better understand the text that um, the chatbot might be based on. And of course, it couldn't replace the essential pillars of Islam. It can't replace almsgiving. It can't replace prayer. It can't replace fasting. It can't replace the physicality of one's faith, can it? Yeah, it can't do your religion for you, certainly. <laughs> Did religious leaders, though, suggest any fear that artificial intelligence could somehow corrupt the transmission of their religion? No, and it was surprising to me. It was surprising to me, but they, each one of them, while they recognized the limits of the technology, said that this is just another iteration of, you know, what they called like Rabbi Google or Sheikh Google. You know, it's just another version of people turning to technological services to find answers to some of their, their basic questions, or maybe they're a little bit more complex questions. But they said that they've already dealt with this. You know, they've done a lot of work making sure that people know and understand that the answers that they found on Google are not going to be sufficient to understanding where their faith may land on particular topics, especially if they're complex. I'm thinking, though, Johanna, if you're a student of the religious texts, and you simply 
ask ChatGPT to write your essay for you, mm-hmm. you're not really absorbing what you need to. You're not excavating those texts yourself in the historic way that an Islamic or a Jewish or a Christian scholar might, are you? No, and I, and I think this is the same problem that you're seeing in the academic world, right? You know, why do teachers have such a problem with this other than the fact that they're, the students are essentially plagiarizing because these are based on other people's texts and essays is that they're not learning. You don't actually get to learn if you simply Google something or search something and then copy and paste the text that you get out of there and submit that. Johanna Booyah, who writes all her own stories for The Guardian America. And that's it for the show this week. You can find us using the search function at the ABC Listen app. We're in the Society and Culture section. Or look for us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the program, maybe leave us a review. Thanks to Hong Jang and Hamish Camilleri. I'm Andrew West. Join us again for the Religion and Ethics Report. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.